Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
Walk outside my front door, look up and I 
desire My trouble stretches on before me up into the sky The eagle floats along the breeze and laughs at my despair I walk across the field to the mountain standing there
Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. like this.
Shadows from 
slow the moments go when all I do is pull black coffee since the blues come my I'm hanging up on Monday my Sunday dreams to dry It's nicotine And I'm much hard to fight Black coffee I'm feeling as low as the ground It's driving me crazy This waiting for my baby To maybe come around
Hi, this is Grania Duffy. I'm in Indie Blues, and you are live from the Midnight Circus.
environment but uh, but in the 21st century uh, you know you don't even have to leave the couch just turn on the tv in commercials or as theme songs you will see and hear the blues are everywhere i'm elwood
figure out mm, what might go wrong. Waking up mm, and my mind's a mess. Cause I keep forgetting life's preciousness. Oh, cause uh, yesterday's a history. Tomorrow's all a mystery. Someday we all gonna die Ain't nobody come back from that Except for maybe Jesus on high Home mm, precious impermanence uh, An attitude of gratitude I just gotta live my life on Stop asking why Cause yesterday's a history Tomorrow's all a mystery All I got is now What you want That ain't real happiness Seeking God in yourself That's just the kind of emptiness But if you can find a way To want what you get I'll tell you about it That's the best thing I've found yet Yesterday's a history Tomorrow's all a mystery All I got is now independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, 
recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And 
that was Frank Goldwasser from his brand new release, and we got Frank on the line right now. Hey, Frank, how you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. I'm doing pretty good, in fact. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, you know, trying to stay out of trouble, but you know, of course, I'm not really good at it. You know, at least okay. that's what my wife tells me uh, that I really suck at it. So, you know, I gotta listen to her. Now, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is the first time you've been on our show, and we always um, start things off by giving the fans out there an opportunity to get to know who you are, not only as an artist, but as a person. And the best way to do that is to look at your journey, how you got to okay. where you are today. So give us the story of Frank Goldwasser. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I was... I was um born and raised in Paris, France. Um, I was born in 1960, and um, I, uh, uh, I uh, was exposed to uh, blues music uh, in the mid-70s. Um, and um, as I got serious about it, I started playing guitar, uh, teaching myself how to play guitar from uh, recordings uh, by uh, people like Elmore uh, James and Brownie McGee, Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters, people like that. Um, and I attended art school um, in the late 70s. Um, but um, before I knew it, my, my, my passion for, um, for uh, black American music kind of took over and I gradually you know, dropped, my, uh, dropped out of my uh, art studies and I just basically immersed myself in the music. And at that point, around 1977, 78, when I got really serious about playing blues, I knew that um, that I wanted to um, to move to the, to the United States uh, in order to uh, uh, you know to live my dream of becoming a um, legitimate uh, blues artist. So that that was uh, that's what happened in 1983. I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, and I was very fortunate to. Um, to uh, uh, land in Oakland, and well, I didn't land in Oakland exactly. I I, I purposefully moved to Oakland, California, because um, I had met um, uh, uh, someone by the name of Sonny Rhodes, my mentor, my role model as a singer, guitarist, and uh, he invited me to come to California. Uh, I met him in Paris in 1980, and I followed him around, and in fact, my very first uh, real gig, my really my first professional gig, was playing with Sonny. Uh, I played a couple of gigs with him in France, and um, he, uh, uh, he invited me to join him in Oakland, California, which I did in 1983, and I was very fortunate to... Uh, <coughs> find myself in the barrier at a time when the blues was still very much uh, alive. There were a lot of clubs in Oakland, and I got hired almost immediately uh, to play 
in the house band at a club called Eli Mile High Club in Oakland in, the, in, uh, in a group that was, uh, uh, um, it was the band uh, of uh, Troisky. Troisky was a senior guitarist, was living in Oakland. He was uh, originally from uh, Louisiana and he had a band and he owned a club. And he hired me, so I got in the house band, and I got to uh, uh, to play with a lot of my heroes. Um, as, a, as, a, as a member of that band, I got to play with a lot of my heroes. Um, people like Lowell Folsom, Percy Mayfield, Jimmy McCracklin, and Big Mama Thornton, people like that. And I eventually formed my own band and um, made my first record in 1984. Um, and uh, yeah, and you know, my first record was a 45 that got quite a bit of play in the jukeboxes of the local nightclubs in, in the Bay Area. And I made an album in 1989 which was nominated for, uh, it wasn't called the Blues Music Awards back then, it was called uh, the W.C. Handy Awards. So my first album, which was called Blues for Esther, was um, nominated for a W.C. Handy Award, and then I you know, played in Charlie Moss White's band for a while, I was in Geneva Cracklin's band, you know, I hired myself out as a as a sideman for a lot of the uh, blues artists in, in Oakland, San Francisco. Um, played some festivals, San Francisco Blues, blues Festival, uh, you know, uh, Monterey, um, you know. And uh, I stayed in Oakland until um, 1998. I met my future wife. We moved to Southern California, and then I moved to Portland, Oregon. I was uh, played with Curtis Salgado for about a year. Played with other people in um, Portland, Oregon. Eventually moved back to Southern California. Got hooked up with Randy Chortkoff. Uh, we uh, decided to form a band called the Manish Boys. Did about seven or eight albums with the Manish Boys. I hooked up with another a producer. Chris Millar, who had a record label called Fedora, and I did quite a few records for Fedora Records. Um, what else can I tell you? Uh, and two years ago, two years ago, I moved back to Paris, um, which is where I'm based now. I'm, you know, I'm spend most of my time in Paris, but I keep coming back to. Uh, the U.S. about every five six months, I come back to the U.S. to play music, you know, and see people. And um, I recently made a um, an album with uh, a trio that I have with a couple of German-based musicians. We have a group there called um, Goldwasser, Rannenberg, and Wade, and we play mostly in Germany. Um, and this, this new album was recorded during the pandemic primarily at my friend Ralph Carter's studio in Ventura, California. Um, 
it was released very recently. It was released just about a week ago on a German record label, a very prestigious record label called Crosscut Records. Actually, an album that I recorded about 20 years ago was was released on that label also. So I have a bit of a history with Crosscut Records. Um, <clears throat> and that's about where I'm at right now. Okay. I'm in California right now. Um, I flew to Portland, Oregon um, at the end of um, June, and I played uh, the, uh, the Waterfront Blues Festival in Portland with my longtime friend and associate, R.J. Michaud, who's a singer and harmonica player. We've done a lot of stuff together over the years. So we just uh, played uh, the Portland, the Waterfront Blues Festival in Portland, and then I flew down to California, and here I am okay. today. <laughs> now, let's talk a little bit about the new release. Um, okay. If you were to... Um, Give someone uh, kind of the synopsis of this, what it is and, and what you would like someone to know about it to get them excited about going and listening to it. What would you tell them? Well, this record, the, the, the core of the album uh, is a was recorded here in Ventura. Uh, we started working on this about four years ago. We recorded, um, we did a, a live session. We recorded about half dozen tracks with the musicians that I was working with at the time, Ralph Carter on bass, Johnny Morgan on drums, and R.J. Michaud on harmonica. Um, so that's the core of the album. Um, the title track, Who Needs This Mess? There's a bit of a history behind that track. The, the, the way that that track came together is kind of unorthodox. I had a... Uh, um, so like I said, we recorded about a half a dozen tracks. This particular track was an idea that I had um, for, a, um, for a backing track, but I didn't have a finished set of lyrics. So we had a track basically without any lyrics. And <clears throat> when we recorded it, I wasn't able to to complete it at the time, and we put it on the back burner for quite a while. Really, for about two years, that track stayed on the shelf. And um, I remember going back to it about a couple of years ago, listening to it and thinking that it was really a good track. And I felt like it was it would be really too bad to uh, to not do something with it. So. My friend Ralph Carter and I got together one day and listened to it and wrote a song to it. But Ralph really wrote the song. Um, the idea was mine, the idea for who needs this mess. Um, that was my idea, and Ralph wrote pretty much the whole song. So we ended up uh, with this finished song, which I felt was a very good song, but I didn't feel like I was really doing it justice. I, I, I did a couple of passes at, you know, doing a vocal on it, which I was not satisfied with it. And I felt that it was too good a song to not try to get the best possible vocal track for it. So I started thinking about other singers who could possibly um, do it justice. And... Um, I had an epiphany one morning uh, 
I thought about the vocalist that I used to work with when we were in the Manish Boys, Sugar Ray Rayford. So we sent Sugar Ray Rayford the track, and he liked it very much, and he did a great vocal track on it. And then <laughs> I thought, okay, okay, I think I'm really onto something here, but I, I wish I had a really good, really, really catchy, funky guitar track for this. So I sent it to my friend Kirk Fletcher, and Kirk Fletcher put this great guitar part on it, this rhythm guitar part on it, because the, the, the lead track was mine. It was the live track. And at that point, I felt like I really needed the icing on the cake, that I needed the, 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 the last element that was really going to make it, you know, uh, into a complete track. And at the time, I was corresponding on a regular basis with my um, old friend and former employer, Charlie Musselwhite. And I thought, wow, I bet Charlie could just really kill this track. So I sent it to him, and he liked it very much, and he ended up putting a harmonica track on it. And that's how this track came to life. Who Needs This Mess, the title track for the album. Now, the rest of the album consists of, like I said, mostly um, tracks that I recorded in Inventura, and I sent the tracks to Detlev Huggen, uh, who, is the, uh, who runs uh, Crosscut Records, and he said, I want this, but we need more stuff to make a complete album. So I went back to, to, you know, I went back to listening to some stuff that I had recorded over the years and that I had never released. And I came up with um, material. Some of the material was recorded about 10 years ago with my friend Alistair Green, who is a... Um, uh, um, a guitar player friend of mine who was living in Santa Barbara at the time, who now lives in Austin, Texas. And he played with um, Alan Parsons. He played with uh, Sugar Rayford. He played with a lot of people, Mitch Cashmore. And uh, I had a handful of tracks that I recorded with him from about 10 years ago. So I used three tracks from that session and I used a live track that was recorded at the Waterfront Blues Festival in 2014 with an incredible band, um, uh, Jim Q from the formerly with the Robert Craig band and Tony Coleman from BB King's band. Um, and I had uh, used a live track from that performance. And I think another track from uh, a session that I did in Fresno in 2003. So it ended, up, it, it ended up being kind of a compilation of stuff that I really, that I was really uh, very fond of and that I never really had a chance to, uh, to put out there. And that's how the project came about. It's, uh, it's a bit of a, um, I really tried with this project, I really wanted to please myself and not so much try to please anybody in particular. And that's why there is stuff on that record. Uh, there's some pretty traditional sounding stuff. And there's also some stuff that's really pushing the envelope. Um, and I had a bit of a concern at first before I put this particular uh, um, collection of tracks together because I felt that maybe it was going to be too um too eclectic you know to, to you know things that uh 
I was afraid that it might not uh, uh, really gel as far as, you know, having, uh, you know, a um, unity, you know. But in the end, I, you know, I, I, liked, the, I liked it enough to, to keep it like that and to put it out, you know. Okay. But it is, but there is, I mean, I, you know, there's quite a variety of stuff, you know, like I said, there's very traditional sounding stuff and stuff that's really kind of <laughs> out there, you know. Well, you know, so, I've, I've always been of the, um, of the mindset that, you know, I, I don't believe that we need to keep the blues alive. I think we need to allow the blues to live. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I, you know, of, it's of a course. living, breathing art form that, um, you know, Muddy Waters could have stayed with the acoustic blues, but he took absolutely. it to a new place. Willie Dixon took it to a new place. Howlin' Wolf. Uh, all of those well, All guys, those guys. Yeah. All those guys were really, you know, were really trying to push the envelope and, you know, yeah. you know put out product that was really, you know, up to date. So, you know... Um, Right, I believe that yes, you know, the blues yeah. is uh, is driven by innovation, not imitation. You know, what absolutely, I mean? I mean, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Now, absolutely. Let's talk about you as as a songwriter. Um, you know, you had mentioned about the collaboration on you know uh, on the on the title track, but yeah. you, as a writer, when you sit down to begin that process, what what do you do to kind of tap into the muse? Well, you know, for the longest time, I really didn't consider myself a songwriter. A songwriter. I really struggled with that because on one hand, I felt that it was really essential to say, you know, to, you know, uh, to, uh, um, you know, how it's, how should I really put this? I really felt that the songwriting was, um, um, uh, uh, vital, you know, if you wanted to, you know, you to to make your. Um, uh, um, I'm sorry, my words don't come to me sometimes. Um, you know, I felt that songwriting is really to use an old formula. Uh, you know, uh, what separates the boys from the men? Like, you know, you really need to say what you have to say. You really need to. Uh, um, tell your own story and um songwriting to me is really uh, absolutely essential you know i mean you yes you could you know you could you know record other people's songs you know and you know that's i don't think there's anything wrong with that but i felt that i really wanted to develop as a songwriter which is something that i struggled with for many many years and I realized that really, uh, when I'm, it's when I'm under pressure. Well, there was there came a time, there, there came a time back around 2000 when Randy Chortkov, um, producer, the, the guy who ran uh, Delta Groove Records, came to me and he said that he wanted to record me. That I decided that uh, I no longer wanted to record other people's material. So I, I put the pressure on myself to come up with original material. At any cost, when I made uh, this album for Delta Groove called Blue Jew, and um, um, from that point on, 
uh, I basically decided that uh, as long as I was going to go in studio and record, I wanted to record original material as much as possible. And um, and I realized that um, uh, I don't consider myself in the songwriter and a songwriter really in the sense that songwriting is not really is not my primary. Uh, 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 it's not my my uh, primary uh, uh, mean of expressing myself. But when I'm under pressure, when I need to go in the studio and record material, then I ca- I can come up with stuff. Um, so that seems the, the way that seems the way that I operate. Uh, I don't sit down every day and write songs. You know, I, although sometimes once in a while I do ideas do come to me. And I find myself, you know, writing just for the just for the for the hell of it. But most of the time, I write when I need to. So when I go in the studio and I need material, that's when I write because I need the material. You know, necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. You know, that's the way that I operate as far as songwriting goes. Now, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, one of the things I think is important is uh, technology has brought some really cool tools into our toolkit. Um, what are some of the tools you have found to be kind of indispensable to you as a songwriter? You know, some use the cell phone, some use home recording studios. What, what are some of the tools you like to use? Well, you know, I'm really, I'm very much old school. Uh, the only tool that I that I use is whenever I get an idea, whether it's for a line or for a series of lines, it's, you know, I will use the recorder on my cell phone so as to not forget my ideas. Uh, but really, when I try to put a song together, I just do it with a pen and paper and my guitar. I'm, you know, I'm not really, I'm not technology oriented. I don't have a home studio. I don't use a multi-track recorder. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. When I've tried to use technology in the past for songwriting, I end up getting all uh, uh, distracted by the technology itself, and I kind of lose track of what my primary goal is: is to write material. So what really works for me is just, uh, you know, like I said, you know, writing lyrics on paper and and then trying to, you know, putting them to music on my guitar. Or the other way around, I'll come up with an idea on the guitar uh, and then I will try to develop it, um, you know, with lyrics. But I'm, I'm not technology oriented. Okay. Not at all, you know. Let's talk about going into the studio. Um, When you get into that environment, what do you like to do to get the sound you're looking for? Do you like to, you know, work live off the floor? Do you like to work, you know, tracking it? What's kind of your go-to when you get in that environment? No, so I very much like to play live as much as possible. Um. Although I must admit that there were times when I found the multi-tracking very useful, you know. Um, but as much as possible, I like to uh, go in studio with people that I 
that I like, that's really important to me, is to work with people, whether it's in the studio or live, you know, on, uh, I, it's really important to me to work with people with whom I have, uh, um, people that I respect, people that I really enjoy being with. That's essential for me. That's really important to me because when I, when I uh, try to be creative, I really want the people who I work with to have a lot of input. It's really a collaboration. Um, oftentimes, I don't really have. Well, when I when I worked on my previous album, I did an album um, uh, in uh, let's see, just a few years ago uh, with Kid Anderson. Um, and um, I really had a specific idea of what I wanted to get as far as a sound. I really wanted to get a raw, primal kind of sound, uh, three-piece live in the studio. But when I did this, this, this new album, well, first of all, it's, like I said, it's a kind of a compilation of stuff. <clears throat> but um, I, I, I like, you know, getting in the moment and seeing what happens, and I try to uh, 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 um, work work with that. You know, I don't necessarily have a specific idea of what I want to get in terms of sound. Uh, I like going into a studio where I feel really comfortable. Uh, I like places that, you know, I like working in places that feel like, basically that feel like you're in somebody's living room. You know, I get really intimidated and inhibited even when I go into one of those, you know, uh, state-of-the-art recording studios. You know, I really feel like <laughs> I'm under a microscope and it's, it's, I find it really, uh, um, uh, I feel really thwarted, you know, really inhibited in those kinds of situations. But I really like to feel like I'm just sitting in somebody's living room and I like to not use headphones. I like to interact with the other musicians and really do it, you know. Uh, just really get in the moment, get a feel for the place, and uh, and just try to trust, try to have faith that what's going to come out is going to be good, and that it's going to be a uh, a manifestation of, of the particular place and time. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes. Mm -hmm. Of course, it makes sense. Now, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, and you had some special guests, of course, Kurt Fletcher and, and uh, Sugar Ray Rayford, but what mm -hmm. are some of the other uh, musicians? What are some of the other lineup on this? Okay, so on the, on the stuff that I recorded here in Ventura, the, the people who were, uh, the people or the, were the people that I was playing with at the time, Ralph Carter, who's a wonderful musician that I've known now for quite a few years, I met him through, through Sugar Ray Rayford. When I was uh, playing with in the when I was in the Manish Boys, the later incarnation of the Manish Boys, because as you may know, the Manish Boys is a group that that went through a lot of different incarnations, different vocalists, uh, different people rotated in that band. But the late the later the latest incarnation of that group uh, uh, featured Sugar Ray Rayford as the main vocalist. <coughs> um, and um, I met Ralph Carter through Sugar Ray. Ralph Carter is a longtime friend and associate of Sugar Ray's. He's uh, written a lot of songs for many different people. Um, 
so when I was in the manage boards working with Sugar Ray, that's when I met Ralph and we became friends and we decided to work together. Ralph is also a, is a, a keyboard player and a bass player and he has his own recording studio in Ventura, California. So he's one of he's the musician and producer on that session. Uh, and my friend and uh, my very good, very old friend, uh, R.J. Michaud, who's a brilliant uh, uh, recording artist in his own right, um, who's made many, many records over the years. We've known each other for more than 30 years. We met in the Bay Area when he moved to the Bay Area from his native, um, uh, from the Midwest where he grew up. He moved to the Bay Area in the late 1990s. Um, so RJ plays harmonica on uh, on that recording session that I did in Ventura. Johnny Morgan is the drummer that we, that I was using at the time that I'm still playing with. Johnny Morgan also, who has absolutely incredible credentials, who's from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and has played with, I can't even you know, mention who he's played with, but pretty impressive. So that's, that's the session that I did in Ventura. The session that I did <coughs> um, 10 years ago, in Santa Barbara, I collaborated with Tom Lackner and um, Alistair Green, guitar player uh, Alistair Green, who now lives in Austin, Texas. Um, and Tom Lackner, um, who has a recording studio, who's a drummer, uh, um, um, just really a, a master percussionist, I like to call him. Um, he produced um, several tracks for me that are, that I ended up using for the for this album. There's, there's one called uh, "Sweet Cream," uh, um, uh, uh, "Dumb and Dangerous," "Monkey Junk." Uh, those tracks were produced by Tom Lackner and with uh, Alistair Green on guitar and bass. And Alistair is also an, an artist who has his own career, who's made several albums under his own name, who's recorded with. Um, uh, many different artists. Um, um, what else? And of course, you know, um, on, on the Who Needs This Mess, as I was telling you, telling you earlier, uh, I called on um, Sugar Ray to do the singing on that track. Uh, Kirk Fletcher to put some rhythm guitar on it. And of course, last but certainly not least, an artist for whom I have the, 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 the highest uh, level of admiration, Charlie Musselwhite, whom I played with. I was in his band for about a year in the mid-80s. 1985, I played with Charlie, and um, I called on him to um, record this track. And I was just, I, was, I can't even tell you uh, how thrilled I was to uh, have Charlie uh, put his, um, you know, contribute to this track. I mean, of course, you know, he's, a, he's an artist that, like I said, I have the highest uh, admiration for. Um, and he's really literally an icon of, you know, contemporary blues. So it was it really meant a lot to me to have him contribute to this track. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, as far as collaborations, guest artists, um, there's a live track, the, the, the album, the bonus track, if you, if you want to call it that, of the album, at the very end of the album. It's a live track that was recorded live at the Waterfront Blues Festival in, in 2014, I believe, and 
uh, on that occasion, I I had just an just an outstanding group of players um, backing me up. Uh, Jimmy Pugh, keyboard player, who's with the was uh, with Robert Cray for many years. Um, Jimmy Pugh is an, a musician that I met when I first moved to California in the in 1983. He's one of the first uh, uh, musicians that I met and that I played with uh, in the Bay Area. He used to be involved with the house band at a club called Larry Blake's in Berkeley. <clears throat> And uh, um, he ended up being the keyboard player for Robert Cray for close to 20 years. So he's on that track. Tony Coleman, B.B. King's drummer, also for many years, um, is on that track. John Mazzocco is on bass, who was with John Lee Hooker and Curtis Salgado for many years. And Peter Damon, who's an uh, outstanding guitar player from Portland, who was the guitar player with the Paul DeLay Band also for many, many years, and who is the uh, um, actually the artistic director for the, um, the Waterfront Blues Festival. So that's the group that's on this, uh, on this track. I think that's about it. I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. But as far as uh, as far as guests or collaborators on that album, um, uh, yeah, I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. Okay. I hope I'm not leaving now, out. Um, yeah. of course, once you get it recorded, you have to get it out there. And you're working with Betsy Brown from Blind Raccoon out of Memphis. Um, tell me a little bit about that relationship. Well, you know, Betsy... Um, I heard. I started hearing from Betsy, uh, from uh, from artists that I've worked with. I I did an album. I I played on a couple of albums by um, uh, a lady singer songwriter from Los Angeles. Um, <coughs> excuse me, um, Leslie Bixler. <laughs> I played on a couple of her albums, and she uh, she was working with Betsy. And there's another uh, fellow that I played uh, that I worked with, uh, John Gindick, who's a harmonica player who lives here in Ventura, and he was he worked with Betsy. And Ralph Carter was telling me that. Uh, uh, I might want to, you know, think about working with a publicist. And, you know, of course, my, I have very limited resources. So I, you know, I uh, I didn't really uh, um, uh, follow that. Uh, uh, I didn't really go with that. Uh, and then uh, uh, I worked on an album. Ralph and I produced an album for a friend of ours, uh, Douglas Avery. And we, who's a songwriter, harmonica player, composer, and we we put an album together uh, for Doug that um, came out about a year ago, I believe, and that did extremely well. And Doug uh, hired Leslie, and um, Doug. Offered, Doug is a very, very dear friend of mine. Uh, I, I owe him a lot. And when we uh, did the album, um, 
uh, Take My Rider with Doug Avery. Um, and when I actually, let's see, let me backtrack. Yeah, when my album was completed and when uh, Detlef Hogan of Crosscut Records uh, decided to put it out on his label, Doug uh, very kindly and generously uh, offered to put me in touch with Le with um, with Betsy. Um, I have, to be honest with you, I have actually not met Betsy in person. We've communicated, you know, over the internet, but I have we have never met in person. Um, of course, I had heard some very, very nice things about her, about, you know, her dedication to this music and her hard work and, you know, that she was very, uh, very efficient. Uh, so, um, you know, I, it was like a godsend. I mean, for me, for someone like me who has, you know, like most people in my position, being a blues musician, you know, having limited resources, oftentimes, you know, often we don't really have the, the, the resources, the financial resources to work with, with uh, a publicist. So uh, when Doug came along and offered to make that happen for me, I can't even tell you, you know, I can't begin to tell you how thrilled I was because it's an opportunity that uh, many people don't really have uh, access to. Um, so here I am now and I'm, you know, uh, I'm communica communicating with Betsy almost on a daily basis and she's sending me playlists and, you know, I'm absolutely thrilled. I almost have to pinch myself when she's sending me all those playlists and I see that my album is actually being played <laughs> by uh, people, you know, not, not only all over the United States, but actually all over the world. And it's, uh, you know, I am so, so profoundly grateful to, um, to, to, to have this, this kind to have access to this, uh, to this publicity, you know, it's something that I, uh, that I never even dreamed of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell definitely she does a great job. Now yeah. let's talk a little bit about, uh, what's happening out there. Um, you know, the, we know the pandemic hit and of course a lot of musicians had to stop touring. Um, and you know, things have gotten, um, you know, even worse than it was before the pandemic. Uh, number one, you know, streaming has become the way that uh, consumers now consume music. Um, you know, and there's nothing we're going to do about that. It's too convenient. It's too economical for them. Uh, but recorded music has lost its status as a product to most of the consumers out there. How has this affected you as an artist? Well, it's affected me tremendously because, you know, um, I'm of a you know I'm of a generation, uh, you know, playing live in front of an audience is really has always been, um, you know, when I first uh, at the very beginning when I started playing music. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like my 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 influences, like my heroes, like my role models. I wanted to be, to be a guy on stage in front of an audience. 
you know, uh, I had absolutely no idea that, that there would come a time when that was a thing of the past. Uh, you know, that's, uh, I really feel like that's, that's what I do best, you know, is, is when I'm on stage with my guitar, you know, with a microphone, that's when I feel like I'm, you know, uh, uh, when I come alive is when I'm on stage in front of an audience. So you're absolutely right. I mean, this nowadays the live music is it's almost like i would hate to think that it's something that's uh, a thing of the past i think that there are still people who want to hear live music but it seems to me like you know like you say it's it's really hard to get people to come out and hear a live show you know because there's so much uh so much going on and you know uh, I, you know, I, it's, it's a struggle for me. It's a struggle for me. I'm, I'm not, uh, technology oriented. Uh, I feel really, um, it's very inhibiting. It's very intimidating to me. I don't, I don't really understand. I have a vague idea how that stuff works, but, um, you know, um, uh, 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 social media, uh, all of that stuff to me, that's still very much of a, it's very, very challenging for me very challenging um uh you know playing live you know having a direct you know proximity with an audience people looking at you you're looking at them they you know they 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 give you energy they you get feedback from them they respond you you know you 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 play to the audience you play to the room to me that's what this music is all about so it's it's very much of a challenge for me to adapt to what the music has become today, you know, uh, playing music, for, you know, um, oh, I mean, I've done some live streaming stuff and it's really bizarre to me, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to adapt. I'm trying to, you know, to go with the, uh, with, you know, cause there's no sense in trying to fight it. That's what's happening. But, um, that's really not, um, that's not what I want to be doing. That is not what I want to be doing. You know, I, I want to play music live. That's I, what I want to do. I definitely sympathize with you on that. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. And uh, Well, thank you very kindly. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs> Bitch. 
Understanding and a little loving A little loving is all in the world I need Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Understanding and a little loving, baby A little loving is all in the world I need Misunderstanding and another lover I beg my heart, my heart to
treadmill Put you to the bone They give you just a mother So you won't itch and moan That's how they get you That's how they trap you in the net
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
Cool. 
This is Lady Adrena. I am Indie Blues, and you are live from the Midnight Circle.
is about to wipe out every living thing on earth. Now what do you suggest we do? Spank it. Can't cheat the devil, he bound to win. They can't cheat the devil, he bound to win. Make you pay with your soul for each and every sin, you know. You can't cheat the devil, he Will it tempt you with silver? Tempt you with wine? Tempt you with silver? Tempt you with wine? Might be the sweetest little peach, or she might be the ripest on the pine. Tempt you with silver? Tempt you with wine? And she's the devil.
Oh, you captured me
sad sometimes When you lose the one you love And the pain don't seem to go away Lord, help me Give me your strength Wash these blues away The pain is really deep And my mind is on repeat Of the sorrow I feel On the inside Just give me the strength I need your help Wash these blues away Now I need to feel the joy That I once had on the inside My heart is hurting It's hard to hide Will you just help me Give me strength and help me wash these blues away
nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV and commercials or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood.
sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues?
Love me 
this country when smart people were considered cool. Well, maybe not cool, but smart people did things like build ships and pyramids, and they even went to the moon.
Try to write something for her my face as I looked at the only man that I ever 
ever loved. How could we end up in a place like this? Then I remember what my mama tried to tell me when I was just a little girl. She said, girl, when you're down and you're lost and you can't help yourself, I want you to get down on your knees and pray. Then I fell down on my knees and prayed and I said these words.
you realize how could there possibly be this many blues Zans on her hip. Death 
it's like a death wish. Go ahead, play your blues if it'll make you happy. When I came to this town, I took a look around. Said it was good for me, where I wanna be. Keeping it up and see the daylight Yeah Tell you that's another night The same time And the wind goes long Hard and cold And no matter where you come from You knew there's no other way to go now Most people Stars. Me, I love fast cars, I love the beauty cares Having a little fun, yeah In my heart I got a song, hey baby for you I'm gonna play it all night long Let's party till the break of dawn, baby You know what I'm saying? It's another night and the city shows, curl up in a duvet, maybe even draw up a bath and see where the night takes you. That sounds real nice.
take long to find out I was wrong You're not close to being as good as you first appeared I know you know what I was needing You look like you were just right But even wasabi can't cover up That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night, somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on this show tonight, add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Hard to face left home with my friend. I've gone, lost my dog, I'm alone.